Today's episode is brought to you by Nature's Menu, the UK and Europe's leading expert in raw and natural pet food. I'm Mel Sainsbury, resident veterinary nurse advisor here at Nature's Menu, and I'll be bringing you all you need to know about looking after your pups beyond the pandemic. Welcome to the Pupcast. 3.2 million of us bought puppies during the pandemic. They've brought us joy, companionship, and maybe even a little mischief. Like all great parents, you may be concerned about returning to work and leaving your little one behind. Separation anxiety and social anxiety in pets can be quite common, but we're here to help give you the tools you need to survive post-pandemic pup parenting. Kicking off the second season of the Pupcast, here's Kerry Ward, though some of you may know her better as the fairy dog mother. She's a dog behavioural expert and puppy trainer and no stranger to taking part in podcasts. Kerry has created the Happy Dog Project, which specialises in helping anxious dogs become calm and confident. Thanks so much for joining us today, Kerry. Hi, Mel. It's lovely to be here. Kerry, Nature's Menu has surveyed new dog owners and we know that 22% say it's been harder than they thought to look after their puppy, with a worrying 83% being concerned about returning to work and leaving their new family member alone at home. Have you experienced a rise in dog owners feeling even more anxious at the prospect of lockdown lifting and what advice would you give to people? Yeah, a lot of people are worried about leaving the dogs when they go back. It's, it's mainly puppy owners you know, they're realising the puppy spent their entire life with the family at home, some of them for the full year. They're going to have to learn in a whole new way of life. And other people are contacting me who've had dogs that had separation anxiety before lockdown and now they're facing having to deal with it again. Yeah. Uh, I think people are, people with puppies are much more aware of separation anxiety because there's been coverage in the press and social media. So that they're trying to prevent it instead of waiting till it happens and then dealing with it. They're, they're trying to get me on board to, to prevent it. So the, they are leaving the puppies step by step. Right from the beginning, I've said to people, make sure they spend alone time. People have been sat on the sofa with a dog curled up next to them working. And that is lovely and it's wonderful, but it's no good for the dogs. You know, they, they need to start doing things like Go for a walk without your dog. I know it feels really weird. Unless I'm going to a shop, it's really weird going for a walk without your dog. <laughs> but sit in the car and read a book for 20 minutes. I'll go sit. We have had a few nice days. Go sit in the garden without your dog. That's a departure. As long as your dog can't see you in the garden, that, that's going out. If you're working, set up a little office in a separate room or sit on your laptop in your bedroom and work or something like that. So the dog's are starting to get more alone time and do it transition slowly. So, so I mean, you're still in the house if you're doing that, but your dog's not with you. Some dogs have been sticking to their owners like glue. They've become Velcro dogs. So we need to just do that in-house separation first. We need to make sure they're not leaving an over-hours dog. So they need everything, those exciting walks. But then do a little bit of training. Use that dog's brain. They're brilliant. Now, use your dog's brain to do some training, even if it's practicing your sit, your down, your paw, roll over, and then give your dog something to do with the nose to make sure that when you walk out of the dog, we want them to be nice and calm. You don't have to be an expert at dog behavior or dog body language, just an expert at your dog. It's two-way communication. You want to know what your dog looks like when they're happy, when they're relaxed, when they're anxious, when they're engaged with you. It's their only way of telling us. I meet some people that don't have a clue about the dog's body language. 
And that's not fair. It needs to, we expect them to understand everything we say and do everything we want. But a lot of people don't understand the dog. So it's, it's, a, it's a one-way traffic all the time with the conversation. So then if they're, you know, as they're walking out of the door or picking the coat up, they can see whether the dog's looking happy or whether they're worried they have got a problem. And routine. People at home, you know, whether they're working at home or whether they're furloughed or whether they're just at home homeschooling, our routine has gone to pot. So start walking your dog like morning and evening like you would when you're back at work instead of randomly during the day. My dogs get random walks and random food because I have no routine at all, even if <laughs> even in normal time. But it's good to get that routine back. So up early, walk your dog if that's what you do before work and then walk them later on and let them sleep. A lot of people are struggling with puppies because the puppies are really bitey, but they've got people home all day and the puppies aren't getting enough sleep. Now, there's so many overly bitey puppies, bitier than I'd normally see. And especially later in the day, and they're just like overtired toddlers. They've got kids at home all day. They've got people at home all day. And puppies need a lot of sleep. Dogs need a lot of sleep. They're catnappers. So leave your dog alone for a few hours, even if you just sit and watch Netflix in your bedroom or something. Let them get used to a little bit of normal. It's nice to just sit on the sofa and watch telly with your dog, but it's going to be no good for our dogs when we go back. Brilliant. That's great advice. Thank you, Kerry. Could you tell us a little bit more about your career and what inspired you to become a dog trainer? Because we know that your approach is all about ethical, science-based behaviour modification. So could you explain a little bit more about that for us, please? Oh, well, I started this journey because of one of my dogs, like a lot of dog trainers. I had Billy over 20 years ago and he was a nightmare. <laughs> it was it was a, a tail-chasing, foot-licking, obsessive wonderful funny beautiful bull terrier oh he'd play he'd play tuggy with anything live electric cables branches still attached to trees car tires anything and it was hard work <laughs> I adored him you know he's one of those naughty but nice dogs that you just no matter what they do I absolutely adored him <laughs> And I had, Kim as, I had Kim and Daisy as well, two relatively easy bulldarias. So I started doing courses and online courses, got back in 2000. So yeah, 20, 21 years ago. But I was doing it part-time, doing it online. And then I had a baby and it all got put on hold because I, I used to be a graphic designer and I used to spend every lunch hour at the rescue helping. Oh, Wow. Eventually, yeah, my circumstances changed and I got a chance to do it. And I had a business as a dog walker and I got uh, Lola, who is still with me, bless her. She's, in, she's inside in the kitchen. <laughs> I took her to my son, who was very young then, her, his football match, because I thought, oh, it'd be nice to take the dog, you know. And I had no idea how much she liked footballs. <laughs> And she took me by surprise and it was muddy. Oh, I was face down in that mud. <laughs> yeah, being dragged along by this big American bulldog Stanley Cross. I had to be rescued. All the parents watching, I thought, no, we're not doing this. And um, um, a friend of mine, uh, Jo, she, she said, get in touch with Keith. He, he, help, you know, he helps run a rescue up the road. He'll go talk to him. And 
that day changed my life. I was, you know, we were chatting about it and I said I wanted to do it as a job. And he said, come up, rock up. You know, if you come up regularly, get stuck in, you know, I'll teach you as well as doing your online courses. I'll teach you real hands-on training. And that changed everything. Oh, wow. And he was a, a positive trainer himself, was he? Because I suppose 20 years ago, it was still a bit... It's still a bit strange, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, mostly. But he's <laughs> lovely. We're still we're still really good friends. Good oh, guy. lovely. That's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah, one day he was sat in the um, classroom and I said, when will I know when I'm good enough? And he said, Kerry, you're good enough now. <laughs> oh. That was, and that was it. I, yeah, obviously, 10 years on, I'm a lot better than I was then. <laughs> But, it, you know, it gave me that boost and that start. And mm. never looked back. I could never do another job. I love this. Oh, fat. so no more graphic designing for you? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Only for my own stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Nature's Menu is dedicated to the health and well-being of its pets and yours. Discover the world of raw and more by visiting naturesmenu.co.uk. The Pupcast podcast is offering an exclusive 20% discount to its listeners. Simply enter Pupcast20 at the naturesmenu.co.uk checkout. We've um, briefly spoken about people that have bought puppies during the pandemic. And we keep hearing this phrase come about of a pandemic puppy, which sounds very dramatic. What would you say the key traits are if somebody has got hold of a puppy or they know somebody that's got a puppy and they're a little bit concerned about it? What would you say the traits and the warning signs are to look out for when you might think that some sort of intervention from a professional might be useful? A lot of them are just anxious I mean most most puppies I've met that I've been working with have been great I mean after the first three months of lockdown when everybody just didn't go out I met a lot of puppies after that when we when it got unlocked for a while that that were scared of me when I got there and that was awful I'm used to walking in a house and I get bounced by a puppy mm. and chewed and jumped on and played with <laughs> and they were hiding under tables and things like that because the first lockdown people just didn't go out they couldn't but, go out and have anyone come around could they that no, was the horrible thing no I mean now we still can't have people to the house but yeah people have realized you can socialize with dogs with people outside you can mm. have a have a longer lead so your dog can go say if the person wants to say hello as well mm-hmm. the dog can go up and say hello to dogs and they can go up and say hello to people and they can get used to the entire environment outside it's only indoor stuff that that I think some of them will struggle with you know like first time you take your dog to the pub well that'd be nice mm-hmm. and um and having visitors yeah but it's it's just it's doing it slowly mm. okay so with the 84% of dog owners experiencing their dogs being wary around other dogs, how do you think we should tackle that? I mean, obviously, you've mentioned about having longer leads when we go outside so that they can still meet people, but still be safely on the lead and, and just give them a little bit of support. But how would you sort of tackle the problem about socialising with other dogs? Because obviously, there's been a lack of training classes and probably not as many people going out and about with their dogs in the normal places that they go because it's been either too busy or they haven't been able to because they've been isolating etc so with dogs that are a little bit wary around other dogs how would you suggest that people start to to bring that round distance and calmness we want 
we want the owner to relax you know it's the owner's stress about the situation that that will often stress the dog out and and the voice and the body language it's a it's it's a reflective relationship the owner is stressed that it can make the puppy stressed mm, I always remember speaking to one trainer that used to say you're feeding the lead you're feeding the lead and if Absolutely. you're nervous and anxious yourself you're feeding that straight down the lead to your puppy and your puppy will immediately pick up on that and become nervous and anxious of oh what's she worried about what's she worried about so yeah it's surprising how much they feed off of us isn't it it is and we want to give them choice you know that's why i say about having a long lead i've been you know doing walks with people with new puppies on the first well second or third walk and they've, they've said the puppy is really really anxious and nervous we put the puppy on a longer lead and and they've got choice whether to approach something or not because on the mm. lead they, they've got no choice and choice is empowering you know it builds confidence and then instead of some people say you know I'm, I'm socializing my dog they're not <laughs> they're forcing the dog to say hello to lots of things they're scared of that's not socializing that's funny. Mm. yeah we want we want the dog to choose to say hello or move on it gives confidence that we're not forcing them into things some of them are excited about walks but then you just need to be more fun we need to make the walk fun not boring it should be mental stimulation not just plodding along totally oblivious to what your dog's doing on or off lead it's quite funny watching other dogs behavior when they're on walks isn't it so one one springs to mind that's um local to me and the dog just looks so bored on a walk just looks like it just could be spending its time doing something else because it's just so utterly bored whereas my two goodness me you know when mine are coming because we're we don't just walk we do find it games we do throw the ball into the long grass and then set them off to find it and then we do throwing treats and then we do some tricks and we do rollovers and through the legs and they're like what's coming next what's coming next are we going swimming are we going diving what are we doing so yeah it's just it's nice for the owners to get something out of the walks as well it's it shouldn't be a chore you should be able to look forward to your walks and think right what are we going to do today that's going to make this walk more fun than yesterday's walk so yeah it's it's definitely a tick tick list I think isn't it absolutely I teach you know I teach recall and some people will go for a little potter and I'll say you know we've been out 15 minutes and your dog hasn't looked at you once no (laughs) you're boring I don't want to walk with you no no (laughs) I'm not really surprised your dog doesn't want to come back (laughs) dull as dishwater if the dogs (laughs) dogs will always do the most reinforcing thing and we want that to be you you've got to be the centre of the fun on a walk. It's no wonder people's dogs just don't come back because they're mm. so dull. And and you, we want our dogs to be sociable with dogs, but you know, mine will run up, say hello, come back and go, what are we doing? What are we doing, Mum? Yeah. And that's what that's what you want on a walk. Mm. And then dogs will always look forward to the walks. Definitely, definitely. So sort of the polar opposite of that really um so people are now gradually starting getting back to normal they are possibly starting to leave their dogs alone for longer periods um obviously there are options of doggy daycare local dog walkers having pet cameras set up what would you say are the best coping tactics when returning to the new normal to start now way before they go back to work Yeah, you're right. Cameras are absolutely essential to see how your dog copes with alone time. I mean, the the last research I read said 20% of dogs suffer from separation-related anxieties. 
And that's a lot of undiagnosed ones. People just don't know what the doctor when they're not there. Mm. It might not be barking and creating and the neighbours are complaining or destroying the house. There's plenty of other behaviours, pacing, you know, whining, drooling. So we need to do it slowly. Now, before you go back to work, is the opportunity so you don't have to depend on daycare and dog walkers keeping your dog out all day because you know it's expensive long term it's better to go back slowly and make sure this doesn't happen because separation anxiety it can be triggered by a traumatic event so if the dog's been with them all year and they just go go back to work all day that's a traumatic event for the dog so we need to do it baby steps and one of the biggest myths about separation anxiety is to leave the dog with a stuffed cone full of food. Mm-hmm. I read everywhere. <laughs> you know, some dogs are too anxious to eat when they're on their own. Mm. You know, and even if they do, it's, it's a distraction. And as soon as the food runs out, the dog looks up and goes, oh, my God, they've gone. And they panic. You're just delaying it. And by that time, the owner's well gone. They're like, no, I think the dog's fine. You know, and every time they pull that Kong out, it's a it's a pre-departure cue. It's a signal that they're leaving. There's and a the dread. Dog, yeah, the dog sees a Kong and goes, God, they're going. It's not a good thing. So just, just be calm. Walk out, come back. Do it slowly before you go back to work. Don't suddenly go a week before you're back to work full time. Oh, I'm going to have a problem. Most dogs will be fine. Some dogs won't be, mm. sadly. You know, the puppies and rescues that just haven't, they haven't had it hardwired into them that being on their own is okay. They, they're really going to struggle, people that have got dogs in the last year. Would you say there are any product must-haves? So obviously we mentioned Kongs um, not always being ideal, but would you say there's anything uh, that you would advise to help your pets adjust? I think that they should be sleeping when you're not there. So we want, we want all the good stuff when you're around. But that still means, you know, enrichment toys, Kongs, puzzles, scatter feeding, food in cardboard boxes. You know, it it teaches them to problem solve and it it mentally tires them out because they're working things out. And it it teaches them to deal with that little bit of frustration. Thinking about walks, a ball on a rope. You can't beat a ball on a rope. You know, you can throw it, you can dangle it in the air for them to jump up and bite, you can tug it. Yeah, there's nothing specific apart from those. Just you should be your dog's favourite toy. But I think, you know, we want we want to tire the dog out before we go out so, mm. so they're nice and calm when we leave them. I mm. want my dogs to sleep and chill when I'm not here. Yeah. To do stuff when I am here. So you mentioned earlier on that, doggy daycare and dog walkers etc can start to work out quite expensive if you're relying on them every day have you got any idea how much an owner should budget for this if they're using them every day or maybe two or three times a week um i mean training your puppy or your dog i think is equal as essential as veterinary care exercise and diet so when you get a dog or a puppy you should have a budget for it because you shouldn't have a dog and not do any training it makes such a difference. There's training for all budgets. There's online courses. I've got a little puppy course online, one-to-one puppy programs, and you know, specialist behavior programs. The the price varies massively from like 50 quid online courses that, that have helped a lot of people through this to, to several hundred pounds because behavior programs are very intensive and there's a lot of behind the scenes work as well. But whatever they do, they should find an expert. 
that's written a really good course online or somebody that comes recommended because there's so much conflicting information on YouTube and all that. There's good, bad, there's downright terrible advice out there. So, so do it properly. Training your dog isn't a five-week puppy course. It's, it's for life. But there should be a budget for it when you buy a dog because it's essential. Brilliant. Thank you, Kerry. So, Kerry, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sure, like all of us, you're looking forward to getting back to life as we used to know it. For those worried about coping with their puppy post-lockdown still, where would you advise they can go for further information? Um, well, my website is uh, uk or they can find me on Facebook, they can find me on Instagram, they can find me on Twitter, Clubhouse, just about everywhere, really. <laughs> but my, my website's the easiest place to get hold of me. Fantastic. And you'll be on hand to help all those puppy owners out there that are struggling. Oh, absolutely. I'm always here to help. Thank you again. And thank you to all of our listeners. We're so excited to be returning for the second season of the Pupcast. And we'll hope you'll join us for our next episode. Nature's Menu is dedicated to the health and well-being of its pets and yours. Discover the world of raw and more by visiting naturesmenu.co.uk. The Pupcast podcast is offering an exclusive 20% discount to its listeners. Simply enter Pupcast20 at the naturesmenu.co.uk checkout.